You're listening to the Buckeye Visualist Podcast Show. Welcome to another episode of the Buckeye Visualist, a podcast for members of the Ohio News Photographers Association, which aims to support professional and student visual storytellers. I am your host, Lori King, and thanks for listening. I'm happy to announce that this month's show is our first member spotlight. We'll be highlighting our members throughout the year. So if you're interested in being a guest on the show, please don't hesitate to reach out to me at lauriekingblog at gmail.com or via my social media. So my first member spotlight is actually my friend JD Pooley, who lives in my neck of the woods. We've bumped into each other on the job more than I can count. JD is a lone wolf at the Bowling Green Sentinel Tribune, and he's been documenting life in Bowling Green and Wood County for 26 years and counting. We're going to dig into topics that I think are either near and dear to our hearts, like camera gear, and I love her photography, or are a bit menacing, like shooting video stories and the ONPA annual and monthly clip contests. We also will honor his relationship with his friend and mentor, Chris Hondros, a war photographer who died in the line of duty in Libya on April 20th, 2011. So welcome, JD. Hey, Lori. Thanks for having me. This is really exciting. Yes, it is. Uh, Thanks for being on the show. It's exciting for me too, because you're my friend. Let's begin by me asking this most fundamental question, which I like to begin most of these podcasts with. Are you a Buckeye born and raised? Yes, I am. Uh, and I'm a townie. I'm a Bowling Green townie. <laughs> you never left the town you were born in. A little bit, a little bit. <laughs> a couple years. I don't leave the county very much. My wife hates it, but it's all good. <laughs> I'm sure you know it like the back of your hand. Absolutely. It's a big county. We, we cover a lot of territory. Unlike myself, who didn't know I was going to be a photojournalist until I was thrust into it by the military, you kicked off your photojournalism career when you were only a senior in high school. Can you tell us about how you knew so early on that this was a job for you? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think it probably stemmed from my dad. He was in the military and he traveled, you know, uh, extensively over in Germany, bought, bought a motorbike on one trip and had a Pentax. And, you know, back then they shot chromes and we'd sit around um, in the evenings instead of watching movies. We'd, we'd uh, set up the slide projector and, and look at his pictures. And that was probably really what really kind of struck a nerve in me and kind of got the bug in me. And I could always pick up a Pentax with the 50 millimeter every once in a while. You know, my... Um, sisters they were very athletic so I kind of you know I picked up Sports Illustrated obviously and you know you'd always see the double trucks and you know were you athletic uh yeah yeah I played sports um I played just about everything basketball hockey uh golf uh, men's volleyball so yeah in the community always involved growing up and then my you know presidential streak I've photographed every president since Ronald Reagan I was uh, in junior high school and I my buddy's dad was on the sheriff's department and Ronald Reagan came to Wood County and he was right there at the steps of the courthouse. And I got a VIP pass. So I was like front and center. And I, again, I had my dad's Pentex. He let me take it out. 
um, you know, read the box, you know, like Sunny F16 rule or whatever it was, and, you know, got the film developed and the photos like were tack sharp and crisp and the exposure was right. And that kind of really what did it for me, put me over the edge, like, hey, this is what I want to do. Was that manual focusing at that point? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Just a 50. Everything was fairly wide. You know, it was pretty, he was, he was pretty close. It was cool watching the press corps come in. And uh, it was Harold Long um, was mm. part of the traveling press pool, you know, with the blade, Harold Long, the great Harold Long with the Toledo blade. And um, seeing all, all the photographers and stuff was really exciting and, you know, just really, really good memories. And just ever since then, I've always shot photos. You told me a couple days ago about how you were able to skip a day of school. Yeah, it was um, my senior year in high school. It was probably May. So in May of 1992, um, colleges were going through a lot of funding cuts, you know, through the state Senate. And they had a huge rally in Columbus. And I got um, permission. The editor was like, yeah, you, you'll go down, take some pictures. He was a photojournalism graduate at BGSU. So, you know, he, he knew photos well. Um, but I just needed permission from the principal. So uh, Dr. Eric Myers <laughs> gave me permission to go down, you know, take a day off. And you know, so here I am in Columbus in the big city, you know, thousands of protesters, college kids, professors, you know, marching to the, to the state. I had no idea what I was doing. You know, just taking pictures, taking pictures, just caught up in the moment, you know, um, snapping away. And they were on the, the steps of the state house and just thousands of people. And then, of course, the photog, Paul Vernon, he works um, in Columbus now for, for AP and does a lot of freelancing. Um, he drove me down, and then he, I think he was staying to, you know, do the college thing. And I had to find my own way home. He helped me find a way home. So that, that was really cool. So um, that, that was an exciting moment, you know, working for the paper and getting to do some really cool things, you know, as, as being, being very young. How can you turn away from that excitement that early? Yeah, exactly. I mean, you were bitten I, by the bug early. Yeah, and the, the more I think about it, it's just what I do now. I mean, it's what I've always done since I was, how old would I have been? Um, 17, 18. You know, uh, I've known nothing different. You know, I've known going to car wrecks when I was 16, um, showing up. You know, I can remember my first car wreck. I asked the trooper, I said, oh, can I take some pictures? He's, he's like, absolutely, you know, because they want the word to get out, obviously, about unsafe roads or whatever. And, you know, every, you know, protests every once in a while, there'd be a protest in Bowling Green or something. I remember there was a big Walmart strike my senior year and I got to cover that. So yeah, it's all I've ever known. I mean, when you think about it, cause I'm 48 now is what it is. It's pretty cool. I'm assuming you're going to do it until you retire. I mean, yeah, what else would you do? If you had yeah, another career, what would it be? Me? I don't know. Maybe like a truck driver, <laughs> a truck school bus. <laughs> Well, you drive a lot. I mean, you drive a lot anyway. That's what we do, right? Get those good bennies, you know, for the school system. No, I don't know. I mean, it's it's all I know. And um, it's just really cool um, how much has changed. We'll probably talk about it. But, you know, we started with film, black and white film. That's all you got was a couple of rolls of black and white film and go to the dark room and soup up your film. And then you go to, uh, you know, shooting color and then you go to scanning color into the computer and uh, down in Troy, we did it all. We printed black and white. We printed color. We had the Jobo. If anybody's listening or remembers what the Jobo is, it's a horrible machine that always ruins your film. So yeah, I've seen a lot. You attended the Ohio Institute of Photography in the mid-90s. I think that was after you went to Owens Community College. Yes. For our more mature listeners who might wonder, whatever happened to that place? Here's a super brief 
history lesson. The OIP was founded in Dayton in 1971. It became the Ohio Institute of Photography and Technology 20 years later and expanded to include medical, criminal justice, and graphic design programs. In 2010, it was bought by Kaplan Higher Education and renamed Kaplan College. Then in 2015, it was bought by Education Corporation of America and is now called Brightwood College. Now you know. JD, can you take us back to that instrumental year, which includes a brief stint as the chief photographer at Troy Daily News, when you met the trifecta of power war photographers, Chris Hondros, Tyler Hicks, and Spencer Platt? Yeah, absolutely. And that was probably the best thing that ever happened to me going down to Dayton, you know, leaving Bowling Green. It was was meeting the three of them. I kind of kept Troy, Ohio as like my home base. I knew I could get some work at the local paper, um, which I did, you know, Friday Night Football or whatever, helping Tyler out. Tyler was the chief photographer at the time. And Spencer Platt was the intern. They always had a chief and an intern every summer. Um, so yeah, so there I am in the fall of probably 95, I think it was 94, 95 driving down there and there's Tyler and, and, uh, Spencer outside of the Troy daily news. And they were, I didn't know <laughs> he made a huge mistake. I contacted the editor first. I didn't contact Tyler. I went through the total wrong chain of command and they were totally hated me. Like, who is this kid coming from Bowling Green? You know, they, um, they were just working their, their, their butts off. You know, that's back in the day when you, when you, it was all film and you photographed everybody, you shot mugs for football season. You shoot like a mug of every kid on the football team and you have to make a print of it. So they have good file, but, you know, um, had a great relationship with, with Tyler. Spencer wasn't there very long. He just stayed the summer and then hit the road, uh, went back to the East coast. And then that's where I met Chris previous to Tyler. He was, he was a chief photographer and then left and went back to grad school at OU. But Hondros absolutely loved Troy and would always come back just to kind of see how things were going. Cause Hondros hired Tyler and he would always check in. And that's where I got to meet Chris and um, build that relationship that we had. I didn't know you were friends with him until after he uh, was killed. And then I saw that you were mourning on social media and people were like, we're sorry to hear it, JD. And how did that if affect you? Yeah, it, it was hard. I mean, he was my best friend. I mean, if you met Hondros once, he was a dear, dear friend. So if you're at a party and say Lori King walks in and you you just, you know, you just automatically connected and he would always stay in touch. He always, he always send me these like postcards. Um, he said, yeah, I didn't get a phone call from you or a fax or any of this is back in the nineties. Remember? And he's like, what have you been doing? You know, you pick up the phone, he'd call you. He called me, um, from the green zone once, I think it might've been on Christmas day, you know, just wanting to talk. And he always stayed close. And I was always able to go to New York city where he, um, you know, eventually was based out of, and it was always really cool. Cause you could just kind of like charge your batteries, you know, charge your photo batteries per se you know, stay motivated, talk photography, talk story, talk life, you know, that's just what was so, so cool. Um, staying connected that way. And, you know, he always encouraged me to hit the road with them. Tyler and Chris and Spencer, they always knew they wanted to travel the world and do war photography. They, from the very beginning, they, they, they knew that. And that just wasn't for me. Yeah. Just, um, it was a huge loss. Um, huge, huge loss when he, when he died. Yeah, it is. And Hondros was amazing about his career. When 9-11 hit, he literally photographed every aspect of 9-11. You know, he uh, was in Pittsburgh at the time and he hopped in the car 
and went to the crash in Pennsylvania. He was working for a company called Newsmakers, and it was really game changer at the beginning. It was just a simple online service where you would sell news photos and nobody knew what the heck it was. You know, like, what's that? It's not AP, it's not Reuters, you know, it's not AFP, what's Newsmakers? And then of course, Getty buys Newsmakers and then he's working for Getty and he gets to New York City. And that's right when the whole film digital thing, you know, not everybody had a digital camera. And of course you go buy a digital camera, then he was off and running. Then he uh, he was in Guantanamo Bay, um, Iraq, you, you name it. That was his career then. Then he just, you know, started, just just went everywhere, everywhere after that, you know. And of course, what's going on now, of course, you know, he, he if he was still alive, he'd, he'd be there 100%. Do you know where Tyler and Spencer are at the moment? Yeah, I think, uh, I'm not sure where Spencer, I think he might be in New York, but I know for sure Tyler is, um, I'm not sure exactly where he is right now, but he was over in the Ukraine, um, you know, filing some really, really good stuff. Tyler um, just had a had a child and um, he sent me a couple pics um, a year or so ago. Um, so I'm, I'm sure that's getting a little bit more difficult for him to travel, but you know, doing, doing amazing work. You've been a multimedia journalist at the Sentinel Tribune for as long as I've been at the Blade. I'm happy to see that your newspaper still publishes a hard copy Tuesday through Saturday, which is actually three more days than the Toledo Blade which now only publishes on Thursday and Sunday. I never thought that in my lifetime, print and daily newspapers would begin to disappear, but I guess that's progress considering most of my students have never read a newspaper. Anyway, can you talk about how you managed to cover an entire county and the campus of Bowling Green State University by yourself? <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, I have a lot of help, like Scott Grau uh, works for me, he helps me out a lot at night with sports and stuff, but I always like to jump in and, and help out with sports. But, you know, I think it's just being efficient. Um, the longer I've done this, you know, um, how efficient I can be, you know, go to an assignment and kind of know what the images are, what you need, um, whether it's going to make a good video or if it's not, like don't even waste your time, you know what I mean? Um, move along, get some stills, get, get what you need, or get an interview. Um, things like that. So I think that's um, really what um, is fun. I know this job is very challenging, but with, with it comes experience. You can really key in on that, um, how efficient you are when you do your job, whether you're at a spot news event or just a basic news event. Would I love to have like two hours every event, you know, and, and be like, well, I got the picture, you know, I've been here three hours now, but, but a little bit, that's not me. That's not how I'm wired. Um, you know, I always, telling my boss, like, just move, 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 move. I just love to keep going. I love to keep going. You know, back in the day, I mean, there were times when, oh man, we, we'd have like 12 assignments in a day, you know, and that's not to say we couldn't do it now. Obviously the news is always there, but back in the day, I mean, we shot a lot of assignments. Um, and I think that's really, really helped me now into the future when, when we do do video work and things like that. Which is kind of funny because back in the day, when we were doing black and white, you would have to shoot something and then you'd have to run back to the office and process and print it. You would think we'd be shooting more now because we can transmit right from our cars or right from the office or right from the stadium or wherever we're at. Yeah. Do you think it's because everything's shrinking? Like um, shrinking? No, I just think... Just because you can shoot, obviously, 5,000 pictures, it doesn't mean you need a gallery of 80 pictures. You know, you just need solid, solid images. It's the same thing with the video. Like, you know, I think I saw somewhere where the attention span of, like, my children 
I got a, a son and freshman and, and two girls in elementary, you know, like their attention span is like seven seconds. You know what I mean? So think about that. If you're, you know, I'm not, we're not producing like long-term eight, nine, 10, 12 minute documentaries. Like we're doing like a minute, minute and a half, two minute videos. And that just kind of fits that platform, you know, you know, just right. But good, good images along the way. Like I just did an assignment on Sunday about a new water tower being built, you know, quick interview about a minute 30, but all the images to me, they were just solid images. Like you had like 30 still frames in my head, you know, when you're, when you're doing all this video work, you're, you're still framing the camera in the way that it's a good, good picture, but you're doing it a lot more. You gotta find like 30, 40, 50 creative different angles um, to help tell that story, which actually, you know, it's, it's a lot of work, but um, when, when it's done right, it looks, it looks really well. Well, let's stay on the topic of videos. Uh, as we all know, video reporting is pretty much a requirement these days because of websites and social media. Even NPR now has video reporters. I was impressed that you've shot at least 600 videos. Uh, fun fact, I was one of those videos way back when, when I was an instructor at Owens Community College, and you were doing a story on the late Dave Cantor, yeah. rest in peace, who was the wet lab manager at the time. Unlike quite a few photojournalists, you actually love shooting video. So tell us about that first time you shot a video story, which I'm assuming you taught yourself how to do and how you've progressed to where you are now. Yeah, I actually got to give all the credit to Aaron Carpenter. Um, he worked for me at the Sentinel for a few years, um, went back to grad school. He's at Ohio State now doing really well. But, you know, he took some, you know, video classes at BGSU and learned Final Cut. And that was back in the day when Final Cut was like, you know, two, three, four versions out and you had to know like an algorithm just to drop a, an audio level, you know, I mean, it wasn't as speedy as it is now. And I think, oh, I, I remember we went out to like the county fair and we did the demo derby and we put like a point and shoot, no GoPros, put a point and shoot, um, some, I don't know, we duct taped it inside the car and it was a female driver, you know, very rare to have, um, I think she was a teenager driving and she won. And we had this video from inside the car for like doing the last crash and then yipping and yollering and, and leaving the car and like, you know, cheering. And like, we were just, oh my God, that's, that's like amazing. You know, we like totally got the shot. To me, it was like, okay, here's a whole nother avenue of storytelling. Like, how cool is this? You know, if you just put a little bit more time into it. And that, that was our first video that, you know, came out really well. And now, you know, moving forward, um, it's just like really, really good audio. As long as you have good audio, um, that's one of my biggest fears. As long as I can have that good audio for an interview or for the B-roll or, you know, whatever, because I'm confident, obviously, um, with my shooting ability, but the whole sound audio gathering, that's been a learning curve that I've learned. What are you doing for audio? Um, I just use a basic Zoom recorder and I stick it in their face when I'm doing an interview and then I hold the camera up here or whatever. Um, and then I merged the two in um, Premiere Pro does a, an amazing job of taking audio and video and syncing it together. Um, so I don't have to be tethered all the time with a cord. Um, and I've never, it's never failed me. It's always, oh, it's, it's always meshed the two um, audio levels, you know, just, just perfect, which is, which is really cool. So that's kind of my top secret. And of course we have like a really nice um, lavalier mic, um, wireless you know, if you want to mic somebody up, we, we, we do that all the time. Pretty much now, my biggest learning curve is audio, just getting the whole audio audio thing down. But how many videos do you do a week? 
Oh, it depends. Like when I get on a roll, I can do like four or five or six. You know, it just all depends what's happening in, in timing. You know, I'm able, the editor, uh, Debbie Rogers, she allows me to just kind of decide what would make a good video, what, what wouldn't, you know, she'll give me suggestions all the time. And I was like, well, that's going to be, you know, I kind of like, that's going to take a little while. Um, but if it's, you know, if it's a really, really good story, um, and it's hard sometimes. We did a story of a police department um, dispatchers going, a woman just lost her husband in a very tragic car wreck. And, you know, I'm the only media member there and the dispatchers are giving out presents and you just never know who you're going to interact with. And the lady was, the mother gave me an interview and, you know, she just starts bawling on the interview, you know, and you're trying to like keep your composure and, you know, ask her questions. And um, so I, I think I have enough, a good enough vibe now, like whenever I roll up and I'm like, hey, I'm JD with the Sentinel. I'm working on video, you know, people never second guess it. At first they were kind of like, what? You don't work for a television station, like newspaper, video, what? But now it's just the norm. It's a lot easier now, especially the more that you do. They're on the website all the time. People know it. Um, so that bridge has been crossed, I think, at least in my neck of the woods with the industry, because we have three television stations in Toledo that we compete with. So you, know? you have a pretty good audience for your videos? Oh, I think so. I think so. Um, you know, for a while there, we were doing raw pushes, just like Facebook. I had a video of a Wood County Sheriff's deputy promising the kids at the local park he'd jump in the pool if they did this or that. I forget what it was. So he jumped in with his uniform on, and I just, you know, I was there for that. And that did like almost half a million views, you know, mm -hmm. for our small little paper. That's pretty good. So, yeah, you just never know, like, what's going to really do well, what's really going to do poor. But it's there. It's an archive, right? I mean, no matter what your hits are, you're still telling stories. You're still informing your readers. What kind of social media do you do? I do all the social media for the newspaper. Um, so we're heavy on Facebook. We're heavy on Twitter, heavy on Instagram. And that's it for the newspaper. That's enough. Yeah, my personal, um, it's Twitter, Twitter, Twitter for, for my um, newspaper work, journalism work. It's all Twitter. I'll share on my personal Facebook page, you know, stories I've done. I try to keep Facebook like personal uh, family stuff, but uh, yeah, Twitter for sure uh, for, for all the news, all the hard news. You know, in the past year, I've started teaching TikTok. Oh, okay. It is, <laughs> it is booming. You know, what we really do well too is Instagram stories, uh, especially like Friday Night Football. I was playing around with that where I would you know, get a really nice vertical photo and then put some scores on there. And then, cause you can see your interaction, you know, on Instagram stories and it's just crazy how many people are on Instagram stories. And, you know, that's not to say like about it, if I am at an event, you know, I'll be shooting stills and I just might do like a, like a clip, you know, a 30 second clip, put it on Twitter and it'll go nuts. That happened um, at the national tractor pulling championships. They do this thing where, um, about a week before people show up to put their chairs out along trackside and um, they literally line up and they say go and you just get this massive tractor pull fans with their lawn chairs running to the trackside and I did a just a quick 30 second clip and it just went nuts on Twitter I mean just nuts you know so you just there's so many avenues to cover. You know, I think our, our biggest avenue to think about is, you know, website traffic, you know, get all, keep all your links on the website, you know what I mean, for sure. Um, so that, so that website's getting hits, but you know, every once in a while when you unleash it on a different, different platform, it still goes nuts. It's crazy. 
This is a question I ask every guest on the show because inquiring photog minds want to know, what camera gear do you drag along with you on the daily? And do you still shoot with your Fuji cameras? Yes, I've got um, uh, Jeremy uh, Wadsworth at the Toledo Blade convinced me to go to Fuji. <laughs> me it too. Was a good, yeah, it was a good <laughs> move. It was about um, I don't know, three years ago and my Canon gear was getting old and I wasn't happy with CPS because you had to have the latest and the greatest or they wouldn't even service your gear. And I'm like, it's, it's time to go mirrorless. So um, I'm glad I made that jump. So daily, yes, Fuji, uh, basically like a 7200, whatever it's called, 50 to 140, whatever it is, 2.8, um, 85, 1.2, um, 24 millimeter. So it's a 16 millimeter with a crop factor. So 24 millimeter, I just absolutely love. I just think it is the best journalism lens out there, period. You just, you won't convince me otherwise. I think any daily assignment, if your kids are listening, any daily assignment, you have a 24, you, you, you can just knock it out of the ballpark you can do why you could even shoot a portrait with it i just made a portrait over the weekend with it and i was like oh this is pretty nice you know it's not really a portrait lens but you can just it's just a good good daily daily lens and then i got two camera bodies and then my video gear um top secret is the sony i think it's you gotta search it i i cover up all the labels on my camera you know like old school um so people can't see them but it's the sony top of the line point and shoot. It's like a $900 camera. And what's amazing about that camera is you can do interviews really easy. It's got amazing in-body stabilization. So you can just about hand hold everything, which is kind of what we do, right? Like I, I, I get the whole tripod steady shots, but you know, when you run it and gun it all day long, like image stabilization is just amazing. And I got that zoom recorder for interviews. 80% of my work is with that Sony point and shoot. And all the TV guys, they make fun of me. And I say, hey, well, this thing shoots 4K, which it does. I don't shoot 4K, but you know, I mean, that little camera, that little tiny point and shoot, it's got a wide lens. It's got kind of a medium zoom. Um, it's just, I just love that thing. It's just so much fun to create with that little tiny camera. Um, and then of course I have a bigger, proper video camera, um, kind of like the, all the TV MMMJ people have, the Sony. Um, it's got all the manual controls, um, good image stabilization built in, and just everything's there like a one piece. There's no changing lenses, don't worry about dust or anything. You know, it's just a good, um, good camera to have. Uh, so I use a lot. Um, so no more Canon, so definitely Fuji, and, and, then the, and then the Sony, of course. What about your lighting? Um, I don't, well, I mean, portrait wise, I light, um, soft boxes, whatever. Um, but video, I, I don't like take lights or anything. Um, I don't do like a lot of proper sit down, you know, I'm going to interview the president of the candy factory, you know, and do this like two cameras set up, you know, um, back and forth. Um, so it's all just like run and gun, you know, so no, no, really no lights for video. Yeah. So you like more ambient natural lighting. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, it's where we get to a point where, you know, when you're running and gunning on a daily basis and you, you are where you are, you know, you can real, rarely take like, say Houston just visited our Lieutenant governor just visited a robot place, you know, and you got to interview him where you, where you interview him. DeWine was just at BGSU for a, um, um, for an event and you got to interview them where they say you interview them, you know, and, and again, um, with all the new technology, there's really no lighting that is too dark, but it's the audio, you know, as long as you have that good audio, 
I'm really, really happy is when I had that good audio. Do you ever plan on getting a license for a drone? I wish I had the time to study. <laughs> if you know I'm any... telling you, when I did it, it was worth it. You know, I any... really loved it. You know any study groups out there? I have no idea where I would find the time to study to get my drones license. Do I, ha I have a drone? Yes. Do I use it? No, because I really can't. Um, would I love to be a pilot? Yes. And um, how much would I fly it? I don't know, uh, to tell you the truth. They're very small now, so you can carry them really easy. Um, I just don't know how much I would put that thing up, like that story I just, story I just did with the water tower. You know, absolutely, I would have made a beautiful shot coming in. Um, do my videos suffer? You know, yeah, probably. I mean, you know, storytelling, do I need to get one? Probably. So if you know of a study group out there, let me know. <laughs> well, if I can do it, you can do it. <laughs> <laughs> I barely got through high school. You know, when I was a senior in high school, I was, I was working, you know, I was taking pictures. I was like covering, covering D1 hockey, you know, I, I just the books was not for me, but um, you know, some, someday, maybe so. But they have a million online videos that you can watch that you don't, well, you need the book too. Right. But I watched a million online videos, tutorials on how to do it. And I uh, passed it the first time. And, you know, um, we have a reporter at the Blade who shoots video, um, Dave Patch. And then sure. Kurt Stice also yeah. shoots video. And he got his before I did. But when they asked for volunteers to shoot video, my hand was up. It's like, I might be an old lady, but. <laughs> I'm not going to let age dictate what I can and cannot do. Yeah. I wanted to be special in some way amongst a big staff, you know, bigger staff. And that really paid yeah. out. And I have heard too, when you had to retake the test every two years, they had made that easier. Yeah, um, they did. I have had some okay. conversations with our Wood County Sheriff, who's like on the national um, sheriff's board or whatever. And, and they were simply trying to make it easier because their deputies, some of them are drone pilots. Mm -hmm. You know, they were, they were just trying to make it, you know, why, why doesn't a pilot have to do this when a drone pilot has to take it every two years, you know, it's, it's a lot more stringent, that's for sure. So maybe they're loosening up a little bit. Yeah, uh, I, I didn't get my second because now I don't have a shooting job. So I let it Or lie. drone. Or drone. That's yeah. right. I had to give it back to the blade because it yeah. was the blades, but I did keep it in my car. At first yeah. they were talking about making us keep it in the office. I'm like, that is totally... Yeah, it's it easier for us to do spot news, which you've used yeah. a lot. One of the best drone photos I took was of this huge apartment fire, and it took out the entire roof. And those pictures were spectacular because you had the firefighters on those big ladders with their spray hoses going into the smoke. It was just a dynamic thing. And I think I told you that if I would have entered the ONPA contest this year, I think I would have won with, with that coverage. So speaking of contests, um, let's talk contests. Uh, you've been submitting your award-winning work to the ONPA annual contest for a long time, but you just started entering the clip contest this year. Why did you decide to get into the game this late? Jeremy at the Blade, you know, he's just, hey, you got to enter, you got to enter. I used to enter back in the day when I worked in Troy, when I was a chief photog at Troy, and when you literally had to cut out your clip you know, you literally had to get published in a print, in a newspaper, cut it out, send it in. I don't know, just got away from it. And then 
Um, now, um, Jeremy and is, is Becca, is she, uh, the two of Becca them? Becca and Jeremy are the clip chair. Together, that's right. And, you know, they do a lot of hard, hard work doing that. And it's just like, I think the more members that can, you know, contribute. I know it, it is a little time consuming. You got to get your, uh, all your ducks in a row, you know, throughout the month. Um, but it's fun. And there's so many good shooters out there. It's like not even funny. Like, it's so hard. You think you had a good month? You enter, you're like, oh yeah, I'm gonna win. This is it. This is it. Here I come, Jeremy. You know, knock on your door, and then you know you don't even you don't get anything, and, you, and you're like, what? That you're killing me. That one, but it's good. It's good for everyone's ego. You know, it's good to you know to be like, okay, that's a really good picture. So it, it's just kind of and it motivates you, I think, throughout your month. Um, not necessarily think every photo is gonna be a clip contest winner, but you know maybe to try a little bit harder. You know. Uh, if you if you have the time, um, stay a little bit longer, you know, so the light gets nicer or whatever, and um, go out there and just keep shooting. How are you doing so far? I think I'm eighth. It's still early. You can go from yeah, eighth yeah, one like, month to make second the next month, depending yeah, on what yeah. wins. But it's fun. I actually started COVID. Uh, so 2020. I told Jeremy, I'm doing it every month. I'm going to do it. I got to like March and I just, <laughs> I just stopped doing it. Like all my work got so depressing. Like, Oh God, this is terrible. You know? Um, but then, you know, then you have a good week or a good day or whatever. You're like, okay, maybe we'll enter it again. So, um, but uh, you know, every, all the hard, hard work that everybody puts into it. I think it's good that everybody pitches in and, and, and competes. Yeah. I've never done the clip contest. Um, I dare say, but I, encourage listeners to give it a shot. Absolutely. And if you go on their website and look at the, the past, you know, winners, I mean, there's some heavy, heavy hitters on there. I mean, there's so, you know, many good photogs on there from the past, you know, and to have your name on there etched in, etched in stone forever, I think would be really, really cool. Because back You're in the not- day, when I worked at the Troy Daily, you know, Tyler, Tyler Hicks always, always sent clips in, you know, encouraged and um, yeah, good, good times. You know, Kyle Robertson has won like eight times. Yeah. But he's, I don't think he's entering next year. Yeah, he should. So he this, should. this is Jeremy's time to shine, yeah, man. Jeremy's got- been at his heels. Jeremy and Becca has been at his heels for years. <laughs> yeah. And the Blade, they have so many good shooters. They're, they're good. Like, I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, you were there. You're good. I mean, they're 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 good. Like every they're cranking solid content out. Yeah, All they really them. are. I mean, they're yes. they're they're good. Everybody is in Ohio. We've got we got really really good photogs in Ohio, and it, it's fun to watch watch everybody's work come in. I think that's where I want to take this podcast um, in the next couple years. Is really try to get to a lot of the not only the Cincinnati Inquirer, because, you know, Meg Vogel was on the show two, two podcasts ago, um, of course, Kyle, but I want to get to the, the small newspapers no one ever considers. Maybe the Warren Tribune, where I was actually there as an intern for an entire year, is actually a part-time job when I was at Kent State University. You know, the Young, Youngstown Vindicator, which almost went defunct, and then it was brought back to life. So there's a lot of stories out there that we can tell. So I really wanted to thank you for being on the show because it's this back and forth, I think that- You love the back and forth. Yeah, no, it's great. Yeah, I love the back and forth. 
Uh, is there anything you'd like to add that we haven't talked about today? Any advice that you want to give to the youngsters or the experienced photographers to keep you motivated? Yeah, I mean, the young crew out there, just, you know, be honest um, with with your work, you know, work hard. Um, just there's so many avenues to be creative now, you know, like we talked about video stills, social media. It's very exciting. And um, there's just so many avenues and different ways to tell stories now, you know, whether you just out there, you, know, you put a slideshow together with just stills and some audio, or, you know, obviously the, the whole, the whole shebang with, um, with video and, and audio and um, stills inside your video, <laughs> you know, there's just so many different avenues now um, to story tell. And it, it's just really, really, really cool. It is one of the best jobs out there. It's hard work, but it, it totally pays off. You know, we work a lot of hours, you know, I had a taste of it when I was in high school and, um, you know, working in Bowling Green before I went to Troy, but when I went to Troy, you know, Tyler and the sense of community that he was a part of, you know, like every, he always talked about it. everybody knows you, you know what I mean? Like you're kind of like the town watering hole, you know, you go to this event or that event, uh, everybody knows you, you know, they, you know, why is this going on? Why is that going on? You know, the longer you're, you're in your community, the more of, um, you know, everybody knows who you are obviously because you're, you're everywhere, especially come out of COVID, you know, not, not there are actually at events, you know, it's just like um, the other day, I was at an event um, and a gentleman came up, oh, you're J.D. Pooley. I've been looking at your work for years. You know, um, you know, they finally put a face on, on, on the byline there. So, um, you know, just being a part of the community. And, I, and that's where I first learned it in Troy when, um, when, when Tyler w was there and when he was getting ready to leave and go to Wilmington, you know, work for the Wilmington paper, you know, um, it took him a while to, to, to kind of pull himself away from that place. So yeah, Troy has that really rich history of, um, of just great photography. What are some of the questions you're getting from the college kids about the state of our business and like, what, what what's it like out there? Do they ask? Like, do they know how much work it takes? Like, do they know what the daily routine is? All of the classes that I teach are, they're either communication majors or they're print journalists or they're broadcast journalists. Oh, okay. So they're not photojournalists as a major like OU yeah. or Kent State, yeah. but I can tell you that 99% of them don't care about the news business at this, at this point. They don't read a newspaper. Uh, they get their news from social media. Yeah. Primarily TikTok. Yeah. Um, they don't understand Twitter yet. Okay. So, I require them on the first day of class, no matter which class I'm teaching, to build a website and sign into Twitter and Instagram. And I tell them that if their Twitter and Instagram is all selfies, yeah, then they need to make a new one. Yeah. Because they're not going to get a job. Yeah. Absolutely. Even as a journalist, they're not going to get a job as easily if they don't have any visual coverage. Yeah, absolutely. So they are surprised how, how hard it is to be a photojournalist because I teach photojournalism and they're like, I, they just think they were going to take pretty pictures. Right. And then they have to write accurate captions. And many of them have panic attacks 
Yeah. When they cover that first thing, because they're not used to going up to strangers and taking their picture. Right. <laughs> and, you know, we take that for granted. Oh, that absolutely. Go right up to somebody and point a camera in their face and then get their names. Yeah. We take that for granted. Yeah, absolutely. But when you're doing it for the first time, being forced to do it for the first time through a class, that's scary stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And um, teaching them how to do video and podcasting and storytelling in four months. It's a challenge, but it's an honor to be able to send out a new generation of storytellers every year. Yes, 100%. Which is why I retired, because to me, that's more important than me, uh, you know, taking pictures and anybody can, anybody can replace me at the blade. Yeah. And if you want to. The only, I, you know, we want to loop this back in. And so that social media, when we're talking about social media and like what accounts you have, I would just suggest, like you said earlier, um, you just got to have that one ultra professional platform. I mean, all of your platforms should be professional, but if it's, if it's Twitter where you want to be seen and heard in your work, you know, again, like you said, like no goofy selfies, um, like a professional head and shoulder shot on that Twitter account um you know just know that what you're saying is an archive and it's going to be there forever mm-hmm. you know just that's just super super you know where and also too i learned this from tyler you know like no 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 bias absolutely no bias you'll never see me on like social media excuse me twitter um, you know giving my bias about a story that i did or you know i, I feel it's really really important that we just we keep that straight line of just hardcore like just simple news reporting you know yeah whenever i'm at was at a political event i made sure i hashtagged on assignment for either party right because i didn't want people just because i was at a trump or a biden rally right getting a picture i didn't want them thinking i was there because i supported them so i always had both of them on assignment right full disclosure i just created a new twitter once for politics and I separated it from my education because I kept wanting to post stuff and I couldn't because yeah, I didn't want to yeah. offend yeah. students. Sure. So I created one for politics and I created one for education, which I renamed King's class. Nice. And that has no politics at all on it. I don't work for a newspaper now, so I don't have to be unbiased. Sure, but, sure. but if you do work for a newspaper or a news organization, you're right. You have yeah. to make sure that you're unbiased because yeah, yeah. even little things, you know, like you, you cover a local football game and, you know, you'll, you'll see all these, um, some reporters, you know, they, they like tip canoe beat tip city 35, nothing exclamation point, you know, like, why are you excited? They won, you know, I mean, it's just keep it, keep it just totally by the line, you know, tip city beat tip canoe 35, nothing period. You know, why did you have to put an exclamation mark in there? It's totally unneeded. You know, so just um, simple, 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 uh, dry, if you will, but um, maybe I'm aging myself, but, you know, just no bias at all, no bias at all into that tweet. You know what I mean? Just facts and data, right? Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Well, thank you, JD, for joining me on this month's show. It was fun to connect with you again. This has been fun. I'd come back anytime. Thank you. You can find JD's portfolio and social media links on the ONPA website, onpa.org. 
Well, that wraps up our fifth episode of the Buckeye Visualist. I am your host, Lori King. Keep an F2.8 mind, everybody. You've been listening to the Buckeye Visualist Podcast.